0: this is reset i'm sasha ann simons what is your favorite romantic comedy everyone's got one
1: she wants to meet me at
2: the top of the empire state building on valentine's day oh it's like that movie
0: it was a dance dude didn't mean anything
2: And why'd you almost kiss me
0: my family's most like anybody else's mm-hmm. there's half of them that you love and respect and then there's the other half which half am i meeting don't forget I'm also just a girl, standing in front of a boy, asking him to love her. As you wish. Oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? Rom-coms are still being churned out all the time, but despite more studios than ever leaning into the genre, there's an art to a good romantic comedy. And some fans say that art is lost these days. Think back to what some see as the golden age, the 80s pretty in pink, or the 90s sleepless in Seattle. So we want you to join the conversation. Tell us what's your favorite romantic comedy of all time. And do you feel like rom-coms have gotten better or worse over time? Sound off at 866 915 wbez Again, 866-915-WBEZ. And joining us to provide some historical context is culture critic Scott Meslow. He's the author of From Hollywood with Love, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of the Romantic Comedy. Hi, Scott. Welcome.
1: Hi, Sasha. Pleasure to be here.
0: All right, Scott. Tough question right off the top. What is your favorite romantic comedy of all time?
1: Uh, Yep, you are starting with a hard one. You knew I Um, was going to ask it. Come on. (laughs) I I have to admit, it's... World's most boring answer, but I love when Harry misses. You say that, and everyone says, "Yeah, of course. We know that's great, but it (laughs) it really is just about as perfect as a rom-com gets."
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you know they're kind of predictable. I think that's what you mean when you when you say perfect. You know, you you safely assume the leads are going to get together in the end. But why Mm -hmm. does it have such a strong grip on viewers, Scott?
1: I think there is a degree of what you're talking about. There's a, the formula works for a reason. I mean, it goes back to Shakespeare for a reason. There's something just kind of fundamentally, dramatically satisfying about watching, you know, two people who are perfect for each other but don't quite know it realize over the course of, say, an hour and a half that what we all have known all along, uh, but I think there are also clever filmmakers find a way to still make that feel surprising and fresh. Uh, and, and certainly, good actors having the right chemistry is part of that, too.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you brought up Harry Met, when Harry met Sally, so I got to go there. Your book starts with it, uh, the, the 1989 film. Uh, tell us, uh, or first, let's listen to a, a little clip from the film.
2: You just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way.
0: Well, how does it work?
2: I don't know, but not this way.
1: How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night.
0: Oh, so sappy and funny. And we just love it. Is it making you want to watch it again this weekend, Scott?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm always ready to watch it again.
0: (laughs) What do you think are some of the big changes in rom-coms that are coming out now versus 30 years ago? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's interesting playing that clip from when Harry Met Sally, uh, you know, we were talking about how you know rom-coms tend to end with a couple getting together. That wasn't the original plan for that movie. Uh, The original script that Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner planned had them kind of parting, you know, appreciating each other, but finding other partners and moving on with their lives a little bit. And I think in some ways that ending, although obviously I'm very happy they changed it, tells the story of how rom-coms were changing from the late 80s into the 90s. That was. It really became a time of wish fulfillment where they really kind of embraced this almost heightened reality that rom-coms take place in. Mm -hmm. Um, Mindy Kaling has written and talked very eloquently about how rom-coms are basically a subgenre of sci-fi movies where (laughs) you kind of Mm -hmm. accept that things are not happening in the real world. Uh, And I I think this is really the era when that started. And I think Nora Ephron in particular is the one who really helped to kick that off.
0: A reminder we want to hear from you on this as well so tell us what you think. Over time have rom-coms aged like wine or like bread and what do you think is the best romantic comedy of all time? Our phone lines are open and we're waiting to hear your picks so call us now 866 915 WBEZ Again that number is 866 915 WBEZ Scott let's talk about Nora Ephron for a minute. Uh, she wrote When Harry Met Sally, of course, and, and directed Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. Is she basically the godmother of rom-coms?
1: Certainly in this era. I mean, that's a pretty incredible track record. And and it's interesting because, you know, she grew up under parents who were screenwriters of romantic comedies. And so, you know, who wrote movies like The Desk Set. So There's a really interesting sort of through line you can draw from the rom-coms her parents wrote to the ones that she made, and then how influential she was in terms of the movies that other people have gone on to make. So I, I think she has about as important a role in the evolution of the genre as any filmmaker who's ever worked in it.
0: Let's talk about the the, the look and feel here. How would you describe how, how rom-coms of the 2010s look different from the movies that we saw back in the 80s, in the 90s?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's a... That's a really interesting point of comparison. Uh, it, it's part of kind of a broader trend that was happening across Hollywood. Uh, I think there's there's a degree to the literal visual design of these movies that, again, and especially when they all started being set in New York when everybody was working in architecture or journalism because all of these rom-com tropes really became entrenched in the 90s and 2000s. Right. There's this kind of squeaky-clean aesthetic. Um, things get very... They're kind of bright and colorful. I think again you really associate that with Nora Ephron. the look of her Manhattan is kind of perennially autumn and everybody's in blazers and sweaters and has beautiful hair. Yes.
0: It's <laughs> so again true. part
1: of the broader fantasy that rom coms are selling that you can sort of you can imagine yourself in this sort of idealized version of New York in kind of a constant, perfect twilight.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well let's hear from a caller who's been standing by. Here's Glenn in Geneva. Hi, welcome to Reset.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you for taking my call.
0: So you like romantic comedies, I hear, and I want to know about your favorite.
1: Well, my favorite would be Crazy Stupid Love. Wow. Why? Why? Uh, It works on many levels. It has all the classic elements. It has... A romance gone bad. The basis of the movie is an, a couple at a certain point of their life who are, their marriage is in trouble. And then you have their daughter who meets a fellow who she at first is not at all attracted to. And of course, as is the formula dictates, they end up getting together and it's, it's wonderful. And then on the other end of life, there is a young man uh, falling in love for the first time. Ah, uh, completely split, smitten with a girl that's a few years older than him, and uh, you know we go through that romance as well. It's got a wonderful cast. It's funny. It's, yeah. Um, it's touching. I I just think it uh, it uh, has something for everybody.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Crazy Stupid Love from 2011 certainly a, a great film. Thank you, Glenn, for for sharing that one. Uh, Scott, he, he has a point. Do you think the 2010s was this last uh, of the golden age of rom coms?
1: I think certainly for this era, I mean, Crazy Stupid Love is such a great example. That is a movie that is so funny and charming. It has a twist that I will not spoil, but that completely got me when I saw it. If you haven't seen that movie, make sure you check it out. And I think one thing that that movie had that rom-coms really needed in that era that was harder to find is the chemistry between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling is so good and so palpable. And there's a reason that they, you know, they went on to do La La Land and a a lesser movie gangster squad, that they're still very charming in together. Uh, It's... There's there's something about when we really have that perfect rom-com couple chemistry, you want to see them in movie after movie, the way we got Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan or mm-hmm. Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. And I think that's about as good as the 2010s got for one of those couples.
0: Yeah, really, it really is about the, the, the couple chemistry. Let's hear from Kathleen in Oak Park. Hey, Kathleen, welcome to Reset.
2: Hi there. So my favorite romantic comedy, and there's a little bit of drama mixed in, is from 1990, and it's called Truly, Madly, Deeply.
0: Oh, yes, it's I remember from- that one.
2: Yeah, Juliet Stevenson and Alan Rickman, and to explain why it's so wonderful, it's hard not to spoil the plot, for, although it's weird. Oh,
0: I'm sure you're fine. Go ahead. Yeah,
2: So it's about, um, it starts with Juliet Stevenson ugly crying during therapy, and it is the most snotty crying I've ever seen, <laughs> and uh, over the loss of Jamie, the love of her life. And uh, shortly after, he comes back from the dead, at first filling her with joy, But eventually you figure out his secret plan is to remind her all the ways he could be annoying so she can move on and find love somewhere else. And
0: it's just beautiful. Oh, yeah. And it's
2: very fun in many
0: parts. Thank you for that throwback, Kathleen. Great pick. I want to flip this on its head just a second here, Scott, because as much as we love romantic comedies, they aren't perfect, right? The vast majority, they actually feature straight white performers. So what is your advice yeah. to people who love romantic comedies but they kind of cringe at some parts of the older ones?
1: Well, I think they cringe correctly. Um, I it is, it's I think hopefully pretty well known and accepted at this point that rom-coms like really all of Hollywood was too too straight, too white, too, you know, body types, all of the all of the things that should have had more diversity uh, didn't and Really, we're not where we should be on that subject. We, I think we are slowly getting closer. Uh, I'm heartened by what I'm seeing at the streamers in particular. I think, you know, the, the movie theaters are kind of like ocean liners in that they can turn, but they turn pretty slowly. And the streamers are a little better at adjusting to what audiences are clearly ready for and what they really want. Um, so if you're looking for rom-coms recently that have been a little more diverse, um, Always Be My Maybe is terrific on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, all the boys I've loved before. All three of those movies on Netflix are terrific. Um,
0: My classic favorite I, is I really "Love really and Basketball" All the
1: way over Christmas. That was a, a rom-com about a love story between two gay men, um, one black, one white. And I thought I was really, I thought it was great that that movie came out and was really well received and had none of the backlash that studios always sort of said they were going to have if they yeah. did that kind of movie. So I, I like to think that the movies coming out now are showing everyone. Yeah, it's. it's beyond time, and audiences are ready for
0: it. For sure. All right, we've got a lot of callers that want to weigh in on this, Scott, so let's let's hear from some. Here's Barb in Lumberd. Hi, Barb. Welcome to Reset. Hi, thank you. What's your favorite?
2: Um, it may not fit the bill totally, but if you think about it, it's definitely a romantic comedy, and through three generations of my family, Princess Bride. Ah.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm hearing you can quote it word for word. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) All of us, we sit around the table
2: quoting it every time we get together, practically.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think I'm due for another watch of uh, Princess Bride. Thank you, Barb. Appreciate you weighing in there.
2: You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good day.
0: You too. Here's Patrick in Deer Park. Hey, Patrick. Oh, thank you. Good afternoon. Yeah, I I know it's a strange one, and maybe it's
2: because I'm a science fiction lover. I like... uh, Uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray and Annie McDowell. I just thought it was a scream how he has to perfect
0: himself to be able to even fall in love. I thought it was uh, charming and fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Groundhog Day. Didn't even think of that. Yeah, good one. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. So, so Scott, let's talk about the trends that we're seeing these days uh, in newer rom-coms. What do they look like?
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see what's happening on the studio level. We, you know, we talked a little about the streaming movies, but we had "Marry Me" earlier this year, the J Lo movie that came out. That's um, right. We'll have another J Lo rom com. I've been meaning to months. watch Not that. i done Wedding. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's it's worth checking out. It's, I don't want to overhype it. To you, but you might enjoy it. Okay. Um, but I think I think what the studios are trying to do is they kind of figure out. You know, we're sort of in this era where everything needs to be a 300 million dollar Spider Man movie or a. million movie that might win Best Picture. And so rom-coms are sort of right in the middle of the gap where it's harder to get them made. But I think, you know, Marry Me is a a rom-com, but it's also a J-Lo concert film. You know, later, soon enough, we're going to have The Lost City, which is a rom-com with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, but it's also an action movie. And I think they're kind of trying to find ways to hybridize the rom-com with other genres in a way that Mm -hmm. makes them feel a little more like an event that you want to see on a big screen. I think the more traditional rom-coms we're talking about, that are a little more human size. More of those will be debuting on streaming.
0: I see. Well, almost out of time, but i got to ask you this before you go, Scott. What should we all watch this weekend?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, if you're looking for something that's kind of in the vein of the classics, um, but but feels a little more modern and fresh, I really liked Plus One, which came out in 2019. That's with um, Maya Erskine and Jack Quaid, so Meg Ryan's son, the son nice. of rom-com royalty. It's uh, <laughs> streaming on Hulu right now. It's the kind of a story of two college friends who realize they have like a million weddings coming up over one season and go mm-hmm. we don't want to have to find a date for every one of these why don't we just go together to all of them and and would you believe that some sparks might fly maybe they yeah. have a little more feelings than they realize
0: of course they do it's really
1: <laughs> delightful and charming sounds like fun that so is... if you're looking for something that'll be a real throwback to the 90s i think i think you'll like that
0: scott meslow is a culture critic and author thank you scott my pleasure